Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. Well, we've all been pushed around. I'm Tanya Goodin, and each week I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves, and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. Well, we've all been swept away. If you want help and you want I've hope, you've no come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. Lost everything you try to say Cause we've all been swept Today, I'm very happy to be talking to adventurer and author Al Humphreys. Al was one of National Geographic's Adventurers of the Year in 2012, and he's the author of 10 books about his adventures, including Microadventures, Local Discoveries for Great Escapes, and his latest book for children, Great Adventurers. Because he's an explorer and adventurer, I couldn't manage to get Al in the studio, so we're calling him at a location somewhere in the UK. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Al. Great to be chatting to you today. You too. Nice to talk to you. I'm imagining that you've just come from some wild swim somewhere, or you've just come down off a fell. Um <laughs> Or is it something I, I, a bit more prosaic than that you're doing today? It's a bit more prosaic than that. I'm book writing in my shed. Oh, wow. So that's your latest book, is it? After your great adventurers? Yep. Yeah, I'm writing another book for children, actually, about rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. I'm in that early stage of finding it agonisingly hard to do it and finding any excuse to procrastinate possible. So it's nice to talk to you. <laughs> so I am your excuse today. Yes. <laughs> um, actually, it's really interesting that you're writing for children again, because I wanted to kick off by talking about that, because the podcast is about exploring what our phone habits might be doing to our lifestyle or our work. Um and you are all about encouraging us to live adventurously and get outside. And there were a couple of bits of research that I came across from last year that I wanted to talk about. Um, one was from the National Trust, and they commissioned a study that found that 
engagement with all of our rural spaces has dropped really drastically in just one generation. And then children now are spending half the time playing outside than their parents did. So apparently it's about four hours a week that children now spend playing outside. And that compares with over eight hours for their parents. And another study also found, this was the UK government, found that 10% of everyone they surveyed hadn't been in a natural environment, such as a park, a forest or a beach, for at least a year. So what is happening Why are we not getting outside? Do you think our screen habits might be to blame? And what can we do about it? I think there's lots of reasons why we're getting outside less. The roaming area that children are allowed to roam, that drops generation after generation after generation dramatically. And I think the main reason for that is not phones. That's for everyone being terrified of letting their children do anything that's perceived to be dangerous. So I think this risk-averse culture is a huge problem. Mm. Also, as more people spend more of their time in jobs that require them to just be inside at desks, we start to lose that connection to the natural world to the point where I think a lot of people don't even notice that they miss it and therefore don't even consider the idea of spending their free time being in the outdoors or that it's a necessity so I I think that adds to it as well also our country is getting well every country is getting ever more crowded and de-wilded so there becomes uh, less natural wild places and therefore it gets to the point where if you want to go into nature you have to start to make much more of a conscious effort to do so It's, it's not really on as many people's back doorsteps as it used to be so I think all these factors contribute to us spending less time outdoors and then of course there are more temptations and distractions of things to do these days than uh, say in the kids parents generation so I mean, when, I, when I was a kid all the way back in the 80s I remember Saturday mornings there was a little bit of cartoons on in the morning and that was the real highlight and excitement um, and then most of the time TV was a bit rubbish so I, would, I remember that as well Saturday yeah. morning cartoons yeah. exactly it was a treat and a joy yeah. and a really fun thing and therefore I was allowed to just veg in front of the TV and I loved it but the rest of the time TV was a bit boring therefore we went outside I have no doubt that if I'd had YouTube and a phone I'd have wanted to spend a lot more time inside playing on it so it's certainly a a valid temptation for children but I just think the availability of all these things it means that it's just there's one more thing for the outdoors to compete against for our attention and efforts. Yeah and it's really interesting actually you just said about us our jobs spending more times indoors because another bit of research I found and I was really shocked by this we spend 93% of our life indoors and I, I was yeah horrified I mean I kind of knew that it was low the amount of time we were spending outside but I didn't realize it was that bad the times that I really notice how much I feel that the indoors is my default setting that I notice that actually when I'm outdoors for a significant period of time say spending a month out on a trip without coming into a house you start to get used to being under the stars and it's only when I spend chunks of time outdoors that it sinks into me how much time I usually do spend indoors and how normal that feels but also how sanitized and detached we are from the wild universe out there there's something that I love about being out on adventures is the feeling of being literally out in the world feeling the wind feeling the rain noticing temperature changes 
being aware of the sunrise and the sunset and living your days by that more natural rhythm. All the things that I definitely don't do when I'm back in the real world writing books and things. Yeah, we're so on autopilot now, aren't we? I mean, you're right. I don't really notice the passing of the hours or seasons sometimes, unless they're really extreme. Why is it so important then for us to get outside? What what do we get from it? And why should we be trying to do it more? Well, it's our natural state as animals. And I, I think just being in touch with the daily rhythms of sunrise and sunset does a good resetting job for our circadian rhythms. You know, when scientists put volunteer students down in underground caves in total blackness for weeks on end, they all go, their body cycles go loopy without having that reset yeah. function. And I really don't think it's very hard to get this reconnection with the changing of the seasons in the natural world. And it can be as simple as one thing I did a couple of years ago was on the each equinox so the spring day when the day and nights are the same length and then each solstice, the summer one, the long day and then the winter one, the long night. I went and camped in exactly the same place in exactly the same wood on those four occasions oh, wow. in the year. And that's four nights camping is such an easy thing to do. But I found that it really placed my year in context each time you're essentially looking back on the three months since you were last in that wood you think forward to the next three months you get a chance to measure your own life the ups and downs and the hopes and fears of it but also you seeing nature change from the the budding green and and the bluebells in the spring to the uh, autumn leaves to the uh, bare branches of winter time and I found that such a simple but effective way of reconnecting with being in the world. And this year I'm doing a, a also very, very simple thing to help me just remember that there's a universe out there, which is I'm climbing the same tree at the start of every month for a year. So Fantastic. Uh, cl- climbing a tree takes what, 10 minutes, once a month. And anyone who says they don't have the time to do that definitely needs to find the time to go do that and I love it you know January my hands were cold the branches were bare and then over the year it'll change and I'm looking forward to that. So uh, when you do something like that do you share that on social media are you kind of showing people like for your solstice experience do you take photographs of that do you do you try and kind of inspire people with what you're doing to get them to do more of it? Well, yes, this is the the weirdness, both of my my life, but also the weirdness of the age we live in, is that I'm doing these things in part to have a very simple, offline, natural experience. But on the other hand, um, adventure and the outdoors and stuff is my job. I also love, for a hobby, photography and film and things like that. So I do often find myself trying to have a natural experience like climbing a tree but armed to the teeth with cameras and drones and because <laughs> you're all this recording sort of stuff. it yeah. yeah and and I can see there's a, a certain madness to that but I I also enjoy the sharing of these things that I do and that's quite a big part of the the work that I do so yeah when whenever you see a video of me online looking natural and at peace and calm in the woods uh, you will know that behind there there is a tripod that I've carefully set up and run around <laughs> frantically to catch the calm peaceful sunset so how do you get that balance then because you're doing it to experience it yourself and get the benefits for you but also you're sharing it and in all of your kind of social media life and promoting the adventurous lifestyle and inspiring us to get outside 
how do you make sure you still get the benefit of the lifestyle that you're promoting? Well, I certainly don't do it perfectly. For example, this morning, book writing at the difficult early stage of it is so easy to just fall to the temptations of email and Twitter and all sorts of online nonsense. So I'm as susceptible to all of that nightmare as anyone else. In terms of when I'm actually outdoors, though, it works really well for me because I love the outdoors and the stillness and the wildness. But I also really, really love photography, trying to take nice pictures. And I also love the excitement of trying to make a good film up against the racing of the of the sunset. So I really enjoy both aspects to those sides. I think if I found that I was only doing the, the filming or the social media stuff just because it was work and therefore it was a chore, I think that would be a problem. But I, I actually really enjoy both sides of it. And I just have to, at times, remind myself to chill out, calm down and not just film myself enjoying the view, but actually enjoy the view and I I personally really enjoy the balance but I can see that it's a little bit incongruous yeah I think it's tricky for all of us who work I mean well we all do nowadays don't we we work kind of online and offline and a lot of the people I'm speaking to are people who are kind of promoting either healthy lifestyles or a a specific philosophy of life but then also trying to encourage other people to do it online and I think that is a really tricky balance to get it is and i and i'm very it's something i think about a lot in my own life which is how i first came across you and what you do and i'm very aware in my own life that i'm more productive with my writing and happier and think more deeply about life when i'm away from the internet there's no doubt of that at all so what i try and do in terms of my work stuff is do it in bursts so i all the social media type stuff and blogging and newsletters i tend to schedule so i i put it on I go online, I do a batch of these things that cover the next few days or weeks and then turn it all off, go to a cafe that doesn't have a computer and get on with some book writing. I know you mentioned when we first spoke, which is a year or so ago, I think, that you use blocking software as well on your laptop when you're writing your book. Do you still do that? Oh, definitely, yeah. There's one, uh, I used to have an iPhone uh, and that I used Freedom for that, for just oh, yes. blocking yeah. everything. Now on my computer, I use a, a thing called Self Control, <laughs> which <laughs> blocks all sorts of things. And then my new phone, which is an Android, I've got some similar thing that blocks all all the sites that you choose. Because I think it's not in my own, my, my willpower is weak in life. And if I sit down thinking, right, I'm going to get on and write my book and I'm not going to open the internet it's still using up a small percentage of my brain saying, go on, use it, go on, use it. Whereas if I completely block it, ideally by throwing my phone in the bin or less drastically by just blocking things so I can't possibly do it, it just frees up a little bit more bandwidth in my head and mental clarity to just get on with the things I'm doing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much, I think acknowledging your own weakness is a good starting point to, to fixing it. I'm really interested, though, that you say your willpower is weak because on the face of it, that absolutely seems not true at all. I mean, you're, you know, one of your most famous adventures was your 40,000 mile four year journey around the world. You know, that something like that takes a lot of willpower. I think a lot of us beat ourselves up because we find the digital world so distracting. But you know, as you know, it's designed to be like that. I'm not sure willpower is sufficient for any of us. 
Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I suppose in many ways I do have strong willpower. I do these yeah. long expeditions, but also I think a demonstration of willpower is anyone who's uh, self-employed and has to make a choice to do their work rather than watch Jeremy Kyle in the day knows about <laughs> the willpower of daily work. And anyone who's written a book will know the agonies of a blank page and the demands for willpower. So I think, I, yeah, I guess I do have strong willpower. But on the other hand, all these things that I've mentioned are hard work and it's much easier to look at little videos of kittens. So yeah. uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the same with um, whatever your own eating vices might be. If you're a sucker for biscuits, the solution is just don't have biscuits in your house and that yeah. solves the problem. So with me in the phone, it's just block it all and then get on with things. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I mentioned your big adventure, your 40,000 mile cycle around the world. That was 2005, wasn't it? Yeah, 2001 until 2005. So I was really interested because I was looking at that and thinking, of course, you didn't have smartphones then. So I was wondering how the digital world has affected your adventuring and exploring over the years. How do you think that big adventure would have been different if you'd had a smartphone and social media? Well, there are big pros and cons. You know, I, I make my living now exclusively out of the adventure world and I'm massively grateful to the internet at large for making that possible for both 
helping me organise and plan expeditions, for, for keeping in touch with friends, family and an audience through websites when I'm away. And then now that I'm back through promoting yourself, you know, my, my job would be infinitely harder without the internet. So that's the good side. So planning On- would have been easier for that expedition if you'd had all the resources you have now. That's, that's yeah. one yeah, one thing well, that would have been really improved. It would have been easier, but it would also have been what, you know, that the notion of just instant planning. Because I would get my internet on that trip by going to internet cafes, if you remember them. And <laughs> I'd, sit, see, yeah. I'd sit in an internet cafe and think, right, while I'm here, I need to work out how I'm going to get across Turkmenistan. And I'd do all that planning and sort it out. Whereas nowadays with the phone, I'd just... I I just bimble up to Turkmenistan and then start bimbling my way from one bit to the next. There's far less detail planning now. I would I would just sort of bimble along a bit. However, you know, one of the things that I'm really conscious of very frequently is that I'm very very grateful I cycled around the world before smartphones. I would leave some big city and let's say Beijing, and I'd cycle right the way across China for a month or so, and then I'd pop out in Kazakhstan, and I'd find an internet cafe, email my mum and dad, tell them I was still alive, write a blog post about everything that happened in the next month, and then cycle off to the next country. And I'm so grateful that my trip was done that way, compared to if I did the trip today, and the trips I do today, it's much more a case of thinking, right, every day I need to update something, every day I need yeah. to try and show off about myself on the internet. And I'm, I'm very grateful that it wasn't like that. So it's going back to what we were talking about earlier, about being really mindful and enjoying the experience, that you've possibly felt that you were able to focus on it a bit more. Yeah, very much so. I had an interesting dilemma in uh, the summer of 2016 when I busked across Spain for a month, despite being terrible at the violin. And oh, yes, I, I remember reading about that, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I've just finished writing a book about that, and that, that was a very interesting dilemma for me because one of the things I was really craving was a month in the wilderness away from the nonsense of the world. And so my initial thought was, I'm just not going to tell anyone about this trip. I'm not going to blog or tweet or anything. I'm just going to do it for myself. But then I started thinking, this is such a cool story and people would enjoy hearing it. I was also thinking, this is my job. This is the time when I need to tell people stuff. So I had a real wrangling. In the end, I came up with a compromise to myself, which was to delete everything from my smartphone, all the emails, all the music, all that sort of stuff, deleted it all. And I made a deal that I would update one story a day. So a a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram photograph and my words and thoughts of the day. But I had a rule that I was not allowed to read any of the comments or reply to anything. So it was purely a smartphone as transmitter. And that felt like an acceptable compromise for me. I was going to ask you something about maps because I'm a huge fan of maps and I wonder if, you know, that lovely tactile experience you have and I love looking at old maps as well particularly whether we've lost some of that experience of the world with GPS. I'm also a massive fan of GPS <laughs> and whether you ever still use physical maps. Presumably for your first big adventure you were using a lot of physical maps as you were navigating around the globe. Yeah, cycling around the world was 100% paper maps. Now the shed that I'm sitting in, I'm completely surrounded by maps. I've got a world map on the roof. I've got ordnance survey maps pinned up all over the walls. So paper maps are very much a big part of my life and my adventure planning. I think you can 
just having a big wide open map is so much better for your brain to yeah. make make plans with so i love paper maps on the other hand when i walked through spain that was the first trip i've done in many many years of trips the first trip i didn't navigate by paper map i used the view ranger app which is a wonderful app that allowed me just to be off-road on hiking trails all the way through spain so i you know smartphone maps are absolutely wonderful but and there's well like all these things there's advantages and disadvantages of both aspects it's interesting though that you're surrounded by maps where you are i think there's something really inspiring about looking at a map and planning a journey in that way that kind of builds the anticipation up a bit more doesn't it than just you know kind of looking at a little arrow on gps yeah, very um, much. Just looking around now without even moving my head, there's probably about 10 large maps pinned to my walls and, and ceiling. So, yeah, it's a, a big part of my dreaming and planning and yeah. mindset, I suppose. So I know you do a lot of talks and motivational speaking about your adventures. And I wondered how you felt about how inspiring people in person differs to social media inspiration. Because obviously what in your life you're doing both. You know, you're you're talking about your adventures on social and you're showing people, look, this is what you could do. You know, instead of looking at a screensaver of a beautiful view, you could be out there enjoying it. And then you're also standing up in front of people and talking about it. So how how do they differ? Yeah, it's very interesting. There's three different ways that I try and share my story to the world. One is by writing books, which I think can reach people in a slow, quiet but hopefully quite deep and significant way. If someone gets my book at the right time in their life, it might make a deep, rich connection. But that's the slow burn process. Then there's the social media slash YouTube thing of putting up inspiring, interesting stuff and recording talks, you know, sort of TEDx type talks online, which are brilliant for scattering your message. Well, the original meaning of the word broadcast, of course, is a yes. way of people sowing in fields to spread your spread, spread your far seed and far and wide. Yeah. Exactly. And with that, I have the wonderful benefits of random people in all sorts of random corners of the world hear what I'm talking about. And hopefully if it connects with them, that can make a difference. And then the third way that I do it is by giving talks in public to events and conferences and businesses and, and schools and groups like that. And, and I get paid for that. That's the, that's the majority of my income. So I definitely, I don't want to do myself out of a business, but I do often go to these events thinking, why are you paying me to come here when you could just watch this talk on YouTube for free? And I suppose the answer for that is because there you get an actual real human connection. You're making a question and answer and you can try and read the moods of the people that you're meeting and talking to and have a direct, personal, literally tangible impact on them. So I, I think there's advantages and disadvantages of all of them. But I, I don't think many people would argue that the world is a, a worse place for us having all the TED Talks on our phones. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think in terms of the opportunity to see, you know, to broadcast a message and to see a message from someone you might not be able to meet in person, it's amazing. And I've seen some incredible stuff online. But it was interesting. I took a group of children to see somebody speak recently and they were really struck by how they had watched a lot of people on YouTube and saying, you know, it's different in person, isn't it? It's a different, you know, that they actually got a real buzz out of seeing somebody talk on a stage which they hadn't appreciated would be better than watching them on screen. 
I it's like going to like going to a live sporting event where the yeah. view is mu- much worse than watching it on telly. But yeah, there's still that that power of being in the vicinity of people doing their stuff. So, um, do you, I was wondering about your relationship with social media and how you create boundaries between your business. You've talked about you know a lot of this is your work and your business, and this is how you make money. Do you consciously create boundaries between Al Humphreys, the man? And Al Humphreys, the brand, the explorer. <laughs> Do you kind of have little rules in your head about, you know, this is stuff I never share. This is stuff I always share. Where yes. are you on the, yeah. you know, let it all hang out versus keep a bit of privacy approach? No, I, I have very, very firm boundaries in that everything about me on the Internet, from this conversation to what I put on Twitter, is very much Alistair Humphreys adventure brand guy uh, <laughs> yeah. so so I, I don't I don't need to tell you about the junk TV I watch or the traumas of my life or anything like that I, it's just purely I'm here to talk about adventure and all that comes with that I do that for a few reasons one is just the the privacy of life I don't want to share who I really am with a bunch of random strangers on the internet this feels weird to me but also it helps me personally separate my work hours from my leisure time. So actually, I don't use social media as an individual at all. I don't look on Facebook and see what my school friends are up and I don't post pictures of my kittens and budgerigars and things. It's very much separate. So I only use social media as a work thing. And the reason for that is because I, by and large, hate social media. It drives me mad. I often get tempted to delete my entire website to delete all of my social media <laughs> feeds <laughs> and and just become a carpenter I really really do what, make, what sort of things makes you feel like that then what are the kind of crisis moments when you think oh I've just had enough of this well it's usually my website breaking because <laughs> my website has got 18 years of content on it. it's got 2,000 blog posts on and it quite often creaks cracks breaks and ends up full of Viagra adverts um <laughs> And that's annoying. And then just, well, we talked about it before when I'm sitting up a tree watching the sunset in the back of my mind nagging at me saying, hey, you'd better put this on Twitter. This will make you look more adventurous. That I find that slightly absurd and ridiculous. And I'd quite like to not have that in my life at times. And then I think of the times when I'm not online. Maybe I'm up in a bothy in the hills in Scotland for a few days or I'm walking across Spain for a month without the Internet. And... I just feel happier without mm. it. So it's it's very much a, a compromise thing in my life for work that I keep it all. Have you ever had periods where you've been completely offline, you know, as opposed to the, just the kind of keeping boundaries around work and home? Have you have you tried, you know, longer periods of time where you've not? Yeah, and there's some fairly drastic ways of doing it. For example, you can get in a rowing boat and row across the Atlantic uh, Ocean yes, for, for I 45 about that. days. <laughs> and then when you, you eventually, with a sense of dread, I usually wait a few days after the trip before finally opening the email inbox and seeing the deluge. I walked across the empty quarter desert for seven weeks and there no Facebook updates. And it's just, it's great. It really is great. And what I love actually about people talk about the efficiency of batch answering emails but I love the fact that if you don't open your email for two months (laughs) um, so much of what has been sent to you is no longer relevant and you can just in an absolute blitz delete two months of emails and realise that really 
your life's no worse, those people's life is no worse, and it's far, far simpler. So yeah, it's quite tempting at times to just completely leave the world. I have got three final questions that I've been asking everybody that I just want to put to you and see your thoughts on them. And the first one is, what's the one thing you'd like to say or the one message you'd like to get across to people who are listening to this podcast about their phone and screen habits? I think the one thing that I'd like to say is that anything I am going to say, you already know inside you. Anyone who's listening to this knows all of this somewhere inside them already I think it's just a case of taking action on it taking action on the obvious but difficult things like turning off your phone for half an hour and going to climb a tree instead we know this we just need to actually do it do it yeah and have you got a top tip that you haven't shared so far that works for you in terms of getting a better balance I think I've covered the main things which are very much in terms of my work side of things is to schedule stuff whether I'm scheduling social media stuff scheduling just trying to answer emails not on a constant drip basis and then to remove temptation either by one of these blocking apps or best of all going to place where there's absolutely no cell reception at all that's a great thing to do I don't know can we ever find those places anymore now I used oh, to, yeah, I Yorkshire. Used to think Yorkshire uh, <laughs> I mean, mo- mo- most places I go in the world has full 4G and then I go to my mum and dad's house in Yorkshire and you have to go and stand <laughs> on the village green and hold your phone in a clever position to send a text message so yeah Britain Britain's phones we are so rubbish compared to most countries in the world but I suppose in the context of this conversation we should be saying that's a good thing yes yeah <laughs> I think we do need I think we do need places where we can get away from it all and And then doing things like you do I do it in a drastic measure by going out to the ocean you do it in a in a more pragmatic way of getting people and just physically removing their phones but everyone knows all this stuff we just need to leave our phones at home a little bit and be more present but everyone knows this but just doesn't do it I know it's the little nudges you've talked about micro adventures and I suppose I think about micro digital detox which is one of the small little steps that we can take every day just to make sure that we're not whiling our hours away whiling our life away on screens yes and the last one of my three questions is what have you learned about yourself from your phone and tech habits over the years (laughs) <laughs> uh, I've learnt about myself probably nothing good but but but, <laughs> but quite insightful I've learnt that I'm a workaholic I am a narcissist I have very low willpower and am easily distracted and that I'm a complete and utter sucker for videos of silly videos like people falling off their bikes crashing when <laughs> skiing cats falling out of trees that sort of stuff can distract me from my quest to write the great novel of the 21st century so easily distracted yes (laughs) just generally generally a pathetic human being (laughs) there's got to be something positive in there i i think the stuff you share is really inspiring al actually so i'm gonna i'm gonna add that there okay well the positive side of the phone stuff is that social media stuff essentially means that I have a job. It has meant that I've met fascinating, interesting, inspiring people 
all around the world and that my the stuff I'm trying to do in my life encourage people to live a little bit more adventurously has reached a far vaster audience than if I was just doing talks in village halls so it's been an absolute wonderful thing for my life I just need to turn it off and go climb a tree every so often brilliant thank you um thank you so much for chatting with me I've really really enjoyed talking to you I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get up and climb a tree but I think I'm definitely going to put the phone down and get outside after talking to you good Uh, thank you I'd really recommend following Al on Instagram and Twitter. He is Al underscore Humphreys on both. And also do subscribe to the Alistair Humphreys YouTube channel, which has some really beautiful and inspiring pieces of film about his adventures. And Al's latest book for children, Great Adventurers, is available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Well, we've all been pushed around. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. But in the meantime, from me and from Al, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.